0: Entitled Cosmic New Year Thoughts for New Year 1920. It is the Collected Works, Volume 195. This is Lecture 4, given in Stuttgart, December 31st, 1919. On this evening, it always behooves us to think of how past and future are linked together and connected with all of the cosmic life into which the human being is woven. We think of how past and future are intertwined in every part of our lives because of all our own individual being was able to do and to think during the bygone year and what it may intend in the year ahead. With our anthroposophical spiritual science in mind, we should penetrate those thoughts we must have about our actions of the past year and what we intend to do in the coming year with a requisite seriousness and dignity, by seeing them in a higher light through what we can absorb in a spiritual scientific way through a consideration of the great cosmic events. How does our life actually relate to the past and future? It is like a mirror. Yes, this comparison with a mirror corresponds much more to reality than we might at first imagine. In fact, we stand as if in front of a mirror, just when we are striving for a little self-knowledge. What is being reflected in the mirror is the part of the past that we know about, and behind the mirror lies what for now cannot be looked at, no more than you can see what lies behind a mirror when standing in front of it. Perhaps we have to especially raise the question here, what actually is the reflecting coating in our world mirror that allows what is transparent to become a mirror? In a spatial mirror, the back of the glass is coated so that our vision cannot penetrate this glass. What, then, coats that world mirror, which shows us a reflection of the past, but hides the future behind itself for the time being? It is coated, my dear friends, with our own being, coated with our humanness. We need only consider that with ordinary knowledge We are in fact unable to become clear about what we ourselves are. We cannot look through ourselves. We look through ourselves no more than we can look through a mirror. Much is reflected back to us when we look into ourselves. What we have experienced and learned is reflected, but our own being hides itself because we can no more look through into our own self then we can look through an actual mirror. Considered overall, and I would like to say in the abstract, we can regard this mirror comparison the way I have now presented it, but in a particular case it does become somewhat modified. Looking back on our life is indeed like a mirror regarding what is reflected by our inmost soul, but we must admit to ourselves that only a part of what we have experienced is reflected there. When you try to look back at your experiences, they are continually being interrupted. You look back at what today brought to you, but not at what was brought by the night before. Let me read that again. You look back at what today brought to you, but not at what was brought by the night before. The experiences of the night are an interruption. And again you look back at yesterday, but not at the night before yesterday, and so forth. There is a continual intervention of the night-time experiences not included in one's thoughts. We are deceived when we look back and believe we are looking over our whole life. We, so to speak, piece together only what the days contain, and our life's course passes before our soul with constant interruptions. We can now ask ourselves, are these interruptions in the course of our life necessary? Yes, they are necessary. If we did not have these interruptions in the course of our life, or rather in the retrospect of our life, we would not, as human beings, become aware of our I capital. We would see the course of our life only filled up by the outer world, and the I consciousness would not enter into our life at all. That we perceive and feel our I comes from the fact that the course of our life is constantly broken up by interruptions. The humanity of the present stands in a critical time just with regard to this perceiving of the I brought about by the interruptions in the continuity of life. When someone of today looks back and experiences their I through the retrospective way just described, then this I is empty in a certain respect. We only know about our own I. The people of former epochs knew more. In the way dreams come shimmering out for the individual during the day from experiences during the night, so the atavistic clairvoyant perceptions only had the form of dreams. What they contained were realities. One can say the eye has been emptied of its atavistic clairvoyant content that supported people of bygone epochs, which penetrated them with the conviction that they had something in common and were connected with something divine. Out of the atavistic clairvoyant visions arose for human beings what condensed in their life of feelings into a religious perception and veneration of those to whom the religious cult and religious acts of offering were dedicated. How does the matter stand today? Today the eye is empty of these atavistic clairvoyant visions. And when we look back at the I, it is, so to speak, more or less only a point in our soul life. The content of this I is a firm point of support for everyone, but still only a point. But we are also living in a time when the point should once again become a circle, in which the I should once again receive a content. Since the last third of the 19th century, the spirit world has been reaching so mightily into the sense world in order for the eye to have a content once more. That is why, since the 1870s, the spiritual world, with its revelations, wants to enter once again into our physical existence in a new way. And what we want, based on the ground of anthroposophically oriented spiritual science, is to willingly take up and put into a humanly communicable form what wants to enter in through spiritual revelations from another world but one which is supporting ours. What is it that wants to enter in? It is nothing less than what in a certain respect guarantees the future of humankind. It is, we could say, not a direct look behind the mirror but it is a guarantee that when humanity hastens toward the future which means to set out on the way behind the mirror, what we must do in the future can vigorously take place, what all human beings have to accomplish when we have steeled and strengthened our forces through what is revealed to us from the spiritual world in a spiritual scientific way. Just as the eye was filled for the human being of the past with atavistic clairvoyant content that guaranteed a connection with the divine, So in our time our eye should fill itself with a new spiritual content received in full consciousness, which once again provides the tie that binds our soul to the soul-being of the divine. What remained behind as the last inheritance of the old atavistic clairvoyance is the abstract thinking and abstract knowledge of the people of today. This remained behind as a dilution of the previous atavistic clairvoyance. People of today can have the feeling that this dilution, this logical dialectical dilution of the old atavistic clairvoyant nature, can no longer be born in the soul. Then we will experience a longing to receive something new in our eye. But now a start must be made with what has formed the end of the development of humanity from ancient times up to the present. In those ancient times, humanity had clairvoyant revelations and did not understand them. Only later did they learn to do so. Today, human beings must first understand, must exert their intellect, and, when they exert it through what spiritual science offers, then humanity will, once again, develop toward the clairvoyant perception of the spiritual. However, this is something that most people today still prefer to avoid. To apply their sound human understanding to comprehend spiritual science. If one wanted to avoid doing that, then one would also want to avoid allowing spiritual revelations to enter our earthly world altogether. Thus past and future are linked together on this present New Year's, or cosmic New Year's Day. It is really a kind of cosmic New Year, what we have today, the future lies like an enormous question before us, not like a vague abstract question, but as a concrete question. How do we approach what has wanted to enter our earthly world ever more and more as a question to humanity, even as a spiritual revelation, ever since the last third of the nineteenth century? And how should we relate this to what has been revealed in the past? This would have to be perceived in a living way, and then one would feel what significance it has to give way to one's longing for an anthroposophically oriented spiritual science. Then one would feel the seriousness and dignity of spiritual scientific striving. Just at the present time it would be necessary to have this feeling, because we don't really appeal to something arbitrary in the human being, rather to what wants to reveal itself as knowledge of the world out of the development of the world itself. We appeal to what the gods want with humanity, so to speak. But the fact is that when one turns to the spirit on the one hand, then on the other, those people who want only to worship what was in the past are drawn toward the spirit of contradiction or opposition. And the more we attempt to take hold of the spirit of what is to be the future of humanity, the more will the people looking to the past be obsessed by the spirit of opposition. In humanity today it is noticeable how religious feeling is trying to imbue new life into itself. It consists mostly of fumbling attempts. Spiritual scientific attempts should not be fumbling ones. Through them the real concrete spirit world should be taken hold of. But I would like to say people stand before us as if they had a notion of that and they say the mere religious tradition is not enough for us. We want to have an inner religious experience. We don't only want to have the information that according to tradition and reports handed down, Christ lived in Palestine so and so many years ago and that he died. We want to experience the Christ experience in our own souls. In many areas we see such things occurring in people who believe that something of the Christ experience arose in their inmost soul. They are fumbling attempts that are often even questionable, because then the people are right away satisfied in their self-seeking souls and reject any inclination toward the spirit. But they are there, these longings for inner spiritual experience, and attention should also be paid to such quite fumbling attempts at inner spiritual experience, to a new interest in the spiritual world. But then the opposing spirits begin to stir. After what has been printed about this and after what such a representative of the spirit of the past has himself printed, he himself was recently supposed to have said some rather remarkable words here in Stuttgart about these attempts. On the one hand, they are fumbling attempts to bring about a new religious interest and experience. And on the other, are attempts to arrive at really new concrete knowledge of the spiritual world in the way one tries to validate it through anthroposophically oriented spiritual science. I don't know how many of you saw the shepherd's play that was recently performed in the Waldorf School, where the one shepherd says he was almost dumbfounded because he had a spiritual vision. Well, when I read the last page of Gogarten's quote, spiritual science and Christianity, unquote, I must say I was also almost dumbfounded because one stands in amazement before the fact that it is possible that such things can be said at the present time. Just such things should stimulate one to consider a cosmic new year, to compare what is in the past with what is necessary in the future. For what did that man of religion actually say? I don't know if its heavy import was entirely understood. He said, quote, It is today. Why am I saying today? It is always the most important task of piety to preserve those basic elements of which I spoke. Today we are almost completely lacking in that. We are stuck in religious interest and in religious experience, and since anthroposophy is such good material for interest and such a good medium for experience, one is hard put to be able to resist it. One knows just so little, any more of that ultimate basic tension that is brought into life by piety, which drives away every religious interest and destroys every religious experience, this tension between God and creature. And because one knows so little of this tension, therefore one knows just as little of the unconditional direct oneness of God and man." Here we see every religious interest denigrated every religious experience destroyed in the name of religion. And a quite vague tension, which of course cannot be further differentiated, which he does not want to differentiate any further, is supposed to take the place of religious interest and experience. One could become speechless when a representative of religion speaks in such a way, saying that true piety should drive away every religious interest, destroy every religious experience. So far have we come. And so far have we come that we do not perceive what lies behind it, when an official representative of religion says, away with religious interest, away with religious experience. You see, this man doesn't realize that he himself could never speak of religion if earlier there had not been atavistic religious interest and experience, that this gentleman could not stand in front of listeners as an official representative of religion if religion had not entered human development by way of religious interest and experience. And apart from all that, what I have just brought before you points to the fact that today just those people who fancy themselves to be the true representatives of a religious life are working for the destruction of religion's very existence Have then these people lost any capacity to understand the human soul? Can these people no longer understand that everything that the human beings turn their attention to must be led by their interest, that everything that enters their consciousness must be carried by experience? It is even as if the human being no longer speaks out of such a consciousness, but only from the spirit of opposition. That is what, in all seriousness, should stand before our soul when we look into the mirror that so mysteriously uncovers the past and hides the future, yet still reveals it in a certain way that I have explained. It is there that anthroposophically oriented spiritual science wants to serve the religious interest, that it wants to bring content into religious experience. And what happens? You see... During this year, the question was put before the Holy Congregation of Cardinals whether the teachings, today referred to as anthroposophy, can be reconciled with Catholic teachings, and whether it is permitted to join Theosophical societies, attend Theosophical meetings, and to read Theosophical journals and newspapers. The answer was no to every point, negative in omnibus. This is the spirit of opposition, and the Jesuit, Zimmermann, Particularly interprets this decree of the holy congregation as applying to anthroposophy. Now, what this Zimmerman writes is probably familiar to you, and I don't need especially to explain it to you, but you must all surely know what wind, filled with the spirit of opposition, is blowing from a certain quarter today against anthroposophically oriented spiritual science. What kind of spirit is passing through the world in this wind? One can also feel it when one knows that the following words come from the pen of that same Zimmermann, who for years perpetuated the lie that I was formerly a priest who left the Church. With the defection of its general secretary, Dr. Rudolf Steiner, who took most of its members with him, the Theosophical Society, although initially very weakened, recovered itself somewhat over the years, and now has about twenty-five lodges, about a fifth of which are dormant, and in Dusseldorf it publishes theosophical striving, as its voice in Germany and Austria. The people around him complained that Steiner, who after his defection called his theosophy anthroposophy, was becoming sterile, that he had no more visions, and was always lecturing about the same things, and would presumably soon latch on to something new, and so forth. And then there appears a subsequent article, in which the threefold idea is dealt with in an equally clever way. You see... What kind of spirit of truth lies behind this Jesuit? What Jesuits say is not just their personal opinion, but the opinion of the Catholic Church, because each of them only speaks as one of its members. Therefore what he says relates back to the Catholic Church. Today these things must also be judged from a moral point of view. From a moral point of view one must, must ask whether someone who deals with the truth as he does A man who, in the present circumstances, is indeed highly regarded within a particular religious community here on the earth, could be so regarded by the true spirit of humanity. As long as questions of that kind cannot be addressed with the necessary seriousness, we have not yet arrived at a proper consideration of the cosmic new year. But it is necessary today that we arrive at a proper consideration of the cosmic new year. It is necessary that we extend the so-called compassion, which unfortunately often arises from egoistic sources to the greater conditions of humanity and feel the compassion for humanity that will urge us on to make a spiritual movement like this one really fruitful for the development of humanity. Could you feel just on this day, my dear friends, that it is really the spirit of the world itself that for decades has wanted to enter in Could you feel on this evening that here is a willingness to serve this spirit who wants to enter into humanity? Could you feel that this spirit is to be served here so that the souls of those who want to feel and to think together with this anthroposophically oriented spiritual science feel united with the new spirit that wants to enter the world, this spirit that alone can bring an impulse of regeneration out of heaven to the self-destroying earthly world? In this hour, which in every year is symbolic, because in a way it calls upon us to experience it as the hour separating the past and the future, may you unite your souls with the new spirit and experience in your souls that here the touching of the past year with the year to come is the touching of the world year that is ending its course with the world year that is about to spring forth. But the passing world year will still send its after-effects into the future. They will be destructive forces of a spiritual, legal, and economic kind. And it will be all the more necessary that as many people as possible will be taken up in the depths of their soul by the new year of a spiritual future, and will develop a will that can be the basis of building a new spiritual world into the future development of humanity. Those who want to kill off religious interest, who want to do away with religious experience, will not care for the future of humanity. Only those who see how through our intellectual age the old religious interest has died away, the old religious life has been lamed, will see how a new religious experience must sprout up in humanity so that human beings can bear the seeds of a future existence into the cosmos. The end of Lecture 4